Well, it's good to have you at The Crossing today. If you are new around here, The Crossing is one church that meets in multiple locations. Our Southeast Campus meets in the Henderson area. Our microsites meet in Utah, Michigan, and Southern Nevada. And we have thousands of people who join us online every weekend. So let's go ahead and welcome all of those who are joining us right now. Glad that you're part of The Crossing family with us. Well, today we are concluding our series that we've been calling 100. And the idea is this, is that God owns 100%. That God owns 100% of what we have, that it all belongs to God. And the big idea of the series is this right here, is that how you manage your money is a spiritual issue. That how you manage your money is is a reflection of your spiritual life. But we don't think of it like that because we think, over here's my spiritual life. I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. I try to do good things for people and serve my community. Over here's my financial life. This is where I make my money. I spend my money, all the things I want to do with my money. And these two never meet. But if you are a follower of Jesus, the way you manage your money is a reflection of your spiritual life. It is a reflection of your spiritual life. In this series, we've been learning and applying this simple financial plan that's out of God's word. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how little money you make, this works for everybody, and it's called the 100 plan. It's also called the 10-10-80 plan, which of course equals 100, or the give, save, and spend plan. And with this simple plan, This first 10%, this is what you take of your income, and you honor God with the first 10%. This is what the Bible calls a tithe. And we honor God with the first and the best, and God promises us, this is his promise to us, that he will bless the rest. Then we take the next 10%, and this is what we use to save We create margin in our lives and in our future. What used to be an emergency in your life when you have margin is now just an inconvenience because margin brings peace. And then this last 80%, this is what you spend on everything else. This is what you live on. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the greatest teaching that Jesus ever gave. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about this idea of money. And this is what we learn with the 100 plan, is that this becomes a challenge for us. Because if we honor God with the first 10%, if we save the next 10%, can I really trust God to live on the other 80%. And Jesus says, yes. This is where our Christianity really becomes real for us. This is where the rubber meets the road for us. And here's what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 19. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, or maybe your Bible says moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Now, is Jesus saying that possessions are bad? No. Is Jesus saying that saving for the future is wrong? No. What Jesus is talking about when he says treasures on earth, what he's talking about is is our treasure. This is the pursuit of our heart. If the pursuit of our heart is everything that's based on this earth, 
then that is going to be a dead end for you. If your pursuit of, of your heart is everything that's based on this earth, then you're going to miss God's purpose. He says instead, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And what you see right here when you look at this is that there is an eternal aspect to your money. He says, store it for yourselves treasures in heaven, that your money is not just about the here and now, that there is an eternal aspect to your money and the pursuit of your heart. Jesus says the things that you pursue with your heart, you begin to pursue God's things. You begin to pursue things that have eternal significance. And then Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a scripture that we looked at two weeks ago, but two weeks ago we looked at it in Luke chapter 12 because Jesus gave this same message. Jesus said this same thing many times. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That wherever you put your money, your heart will follow. See, this isn't how we think about money. How we think about money is we think that wherever your heart is, wherever your, your heart starts to go, when your heart bleeds after something, that your treasure goes after that. Jesus says, nope, it's just the opposite. Wherever your money goes, that your heart is going to follow that. And then he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. No one. Now, this would be everyone. So this applies to us all. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. This Greek word that he uses for master, it's a very interesting word. See, we're not used to this word because you might think of a boss. This is not a boss. A master is someone who owned someone. Jesus is saying this is about possession. This is about ownership. He is saying that you can only be owned by one thing that you can only be possessed by one owner. And we go, well, that's fascinating, but, but nobody owns me. I'm not owned by anything. And now Jesus will apply this to our lives. Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and... Now, what we would think is, is that must be Satan. You know, you cannot serve both God and Satan because these are two opposing things. Or maybe you would think, that Jesus would say, you cannot serve both God and sin. And so that, that Jesus was saying, you need to turn away from your sin, but this is not what Jesus says. Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, this word right here, it's actually the Greek word mammon. If you have the King James Version, it actually says mammon. Now, mammon is, is more than just stuff. More than just money. It, it is your stuff. That's what mammon includes. And so when it uses this word money, it's broader than just your money. It is beyond that. Literally, is you cannot serve both God and your stuff. Here's what Jesus is saying. That the primary issue with money isn't money. Jesus says the primary issue with money, it is mastery. It is control. It is ownership. And Jesus challenges us, do we have money or does money have us? Do we own it or does it own us? That your stuff is the chief competitor for your heart. My stuff 
is the number one competitor for my heart. That's what Jesus is teaching us. And when it comes to the 100 plan, when, it, when we look at the 100 plan, there are some barriers that are there for us in the 100 plan. See, the barrier for giving is greed. Now, we push back on that because none of us are greedy. There is not a person in this room who thinks that they are greedy because you cannot see greed in the mirror. Now, we know people who are greedy. We are just not part of those people who are greedy. But when you look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, that greed is merely thinking that all of my stuff is for me. He says that greed is anyone who is rich towards themselves and is not rich towards God. That's what greed is. That everything that comes to you is for you. That you're all gonna, it's all going to go to you. See, greed is an appetite, and appetites are never fully and finally satisfied. So if you spend everything you have on you, you don't stop when you're out of money because this is part of greed, which leads to the next thing. The barrier for saving is debt, that you have debt. Now, when I was a kid, and if there was something that you wanted, but you didn't have enough money to afford it, to buy it, the store would hold it back for you, and you would make weekly payments until you paid it off, and then you could take it home. That was called what? Layaway. Layaway. For those of you who are like 30 years and under, you have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I, my first job at, at a mall, I worked for a women's shoe store, and so I managed all of the layaway. We had hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of shoes that women wanted but they couldn't quite afford them, so they just paid every week until they were able to actually buy them. And today we think, well, that's so stupid. I mean, why wouldn't you just charge it and take it home now? And Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, says that, that when you do that, that the borrower becomes slave to the lender. That debt is when you become a slave to your own desire. And here's what's so interesting. The more money you make, the more tempting it is to go into debt. This is crazy. The more money you make, the more you're tempted to go into debt. Whenever you sign up for debt, you surrender your peace. Now, here's the barrier for spending the rest. It's discontentment. That we just have this discontentment. Discontentment ensures that I am never satisfied with what I have. Because I know what you have, and I know what there is to have. See, the thing that drives discontentment is awareness. That you are perfectly happy with your stuff until you realize that there is better stuff out there. I have a love-hate relationship with model homes. I love to walk through model homes. I love to see the latest designs. I love to see the trends. I love to see the architecture. And then I go home and I hate my own house. I'm like, man, this place is out of date. You know, we need to change this whole thing and remodel everything. See, for us, the barrier, it is discontentment. It is just discontent. I'm not satisfied. And Jesus begins to address the heart of this issue. It's not that you set out to be greedy. It's not that you want to be discontent. It's not that you think that going into debt will make you any happier. It is worry. Because when we worry, we think, 
well, I better, I better hold back more for myself. And that causes greed. And then this worry, it, it just it causes us to go further in debt. And then when we go further in debt, we have more worry. We're discontent with what we have. And it is just this vicious cycle that we cannot get off of. Jesus says this is at the heart of all of this. And here's what he says in, in verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? They, for us, we don't worry about what we're going to eat because we live in a country where there is excess. Do you realize that we actually throw away 40% of our food here in the United States? But in this culture, they didn't have refrigeration. So the only thing that you could keep for very long was grain or wine. Everything else, it rotted and spoiled. They said, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Clothes were so expensive that the normal person only had one set of clothes. They just had one set of clothes. And Jesus says, I know that you think about your stuff all the time. And I know that your inclination is to worry about all of those things. Jesus says, for the pagans run after all of these things. Now, this sounds you know, kind of derogatory, but this is just non-Jewish people. These are people who didn't follow God. Here's what Jesus is saying, is if you worry all the time, you are acting like those who don't believe in God. That's what he's saying. He says, for the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? See, Jesus said this. I, I didn't say it. Jesus said to his audience, and Jesus looks you and I in the eyes, and he says, your heavenly Father knows what you need. See, God knows you don't live in a third world country. God knows that you need a house to live in. God knows that you need food to eat. God knows that you need more than one set of clothes in your life because you can't wear the same set of clothes to work every day. If your heavenly Father knows what you need, do you need to worry? Jesus says no. He says no. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's what's so interesting, because this phrase right here, to seek first, is actually the same phrase that Jesus used when he says the pagans run after all of these things. It's the same phrase. So this could be translated, but run after his kingdom and run after his righteousness. You seek first after those things. You put God first and all of these things will be given to you as well. See, if you run after those things, as Jesus says, those who don't follow God, if you run after those things, not only do you not get those things because there is never enough to satisfy you. But you ultimately, you miss a relationship with God. But if you seek God first, not only do you get God, he throws in all of that other stuff as well. Let me show you the blessing of the 100 plan. This is, this is God's blessing to us. When you give, it brings joy. Giving always results in joy, always Giving is what breaks the chains of greed in our life. Greed, no joy. 
Discontentment, no joy. Debt, no joy. But giving always results in joy. The blessing for saving is peace. Money in the bank leads to peace in your mind. That when you work margin into your financial life, it brings peace into you. Debt does not result in peace. Discontentment does not bring peace. Greed does not bring peace. But savings results in peace when you have that margin. And then when you spend the rest for your needs, it's freedom. It is financial freedom. When you choose to live on the rest, you are financially free. When you choose not to spend more than you make, I mean, what a concept. What a concept if we did not spend more than we actually made. You're financially free. And here's what this looks like for us, is that when you give first, and then you save second, and you spend the rest on your needs, God blesses that. Because what God is looking for is God is looking for people he can trust with his resources. Jesus said, if God can trust you with a little, then he will trust you with more. And so you get God's blessings. You're able to give more. You're able to save more. You have more for your needs. And God blesses. It is the way that God works. Jesus says, if you would just trust me, that this is the way that God works. God is looking for somebody that he can entrust with his resources and then he will give you more. He will bless you because he knows that we just be a conduit. We become this conduit of blessing. As part of this series, I had two challenges for you, 200-day challenges. The first challenge was a tithing challenge to tithe for 100 days, and so many of you have chosen to do that. And I have been praying that God would show up in your life in a specific and real way. That it's that challenge to say, test God. He said, test me. So test God if he's really good for his word. Just a 100-day tithing challenge. And then I gave a 100-day spending challenge for you to write down everything that you spend your money on because you cannot make changes in your life unless you know where the money is going. So write down for the next 100 days. Where is this money going? Because then we can begin to make some changes to prioritize it so that we can be financially free. We can be where God wants us to be. Well, I, I want to get real personal with you. I've been practicing this for as long as I can remember. From the time that I started getting allowance, and if you're a parent of young children, this maybe is just a lesson for you. My dad sat me down and taught me that everything comes from God. And so we honor God with the first 10% of what God gives us. And so I got a 50 cent allowance. I mean, I thought I was rich. Every Friday, my dad gave me 50 cents for my allowance. And he gave it to me nickels. And he goes, this first nickel, that goes back to God. And so I have grown up being taught and practicing this principle that, that the first goes to God. Then when I was 11 years old, I got my first job that I delivered newspapers to the 100 houses in my neighborhood. Again, if you're under 30, you have no idea what a newspaper is, but that's like where you could read news on print. I mean, that's what a newspaper is. And so I, I delivered those. I got up at 4.30 every morning. I was 11 years old, 4.30 every morning. And I delivered the papers to these 100 houses in my neighborhood, and I made $35 a week. Well, this is the first time that I had actually earned my money. 
See, it, it, be, it caused me to make a decision. Am I going to give back to God or not? Because it's easy when my dad was giving me money, he says, here's what you need to do with it. Okay, I can do that. But this is the first time that I had worked hard for my own money. But I trusted God by giving him the first of my income. When Darla and I got married, this wasn't even a question. We made the decision that we were going to trust God with the first 10% of what he gave us. And for my first full-time ministry where I made $19,000 a year all the way to today, we've honored God with at least 10% of all of our sources of income. But there have been several seasons in our life where we've decided to sacrificially give to kingdom initiatives and to kingdom projects. The first time is when we were on staff at Canyon Ridge Christian Church on the northwest part of Las Vegas. It was a brand new church, and we were building our very first building. And Darla and I were praying about how we were going to be involved, what we were going to do. Now, in my family, I'm the numbers guy, and she is the faith person. And so I came home one day. I go, I've got it all figured out. I know how much we can afford to give to this giving initiative. And Darla said, well, if you've got it all figured out, then why do you need God? I'm like, what? You realize I'm a pastor for a living, hon. I mean, you cannot talk to me like that. I'm a pastor. Well, we decided to double what I thought we could come up with, and God provided. And thousands of people have come to faith at Canyon Ridge over the years. Thousands of people. When we were planning to build this building right here, we were in the middle of a recession. But we were out of space in our other auditorium over there across the courtyard. That almost every Sunday, it was standing room only. And we knew that we had to make space for those who were coming. And so Darla and I began to pray about what we would do. We had two kids in college. And our college expenses were literally half of my income. But we watched God provide in significant ways every single semester. And so we just began to pray, and we felt like God was prompting us to double our tithe for two years. Instead of giving 10%, we decided to give 20% to God's work at this place. And let me tell you, our faith was tested. The very same night we kicked off the giving initiative, the very night that we kicked it off, my daughter blew the engine on her car. And it cost $4,500 to replace that engine. It was every last bit of savings that we had. And we were immediately tested. Do we really trust God or not? But we were not going to get sidetracked. We decided this is what God has prompted us to do. And let me tell you, God blessed us throughout that entire journey. God provided in ways that we did not expect we got a $1,000 refund from, from our insurance company. It was on a claim that we had made several years before. And all of a sudden, this check comes. We got $700 from our mortgage company because we had overpaid them. We got gifts and provision. All of these things begin to happen, and God blessed us. But let me tell you the greatest blessing, that since the day that we opened up this building four and a half years ago, we've had 2,610 baptisms here at the crossing. And this is actually 2,612 because we had two on Friday night. This is the greatest investment of my life. I would do this 100 times over. It's the greatest investment that God has ever allowed me to be a part of. 
And to be honest with you, when my own kids have stepped out to sacrifice to God, my inclination is don't do it. Because I want to take that burden away from them as their father. I want to take that burden away from them so they don't carry that burden. But here's what I know. Is it is, it's part of their growth and their trust in Jesus. And they will never see God work like God works in these seasons of their life. And I want that for them. And I want that for you as well. Two weeks ago, we handed out envelopes full of money to everyone who came to church. It may be the only time that a church has ever handed you money when you came to church. But this wasn't the church's money. This was my money. I went to the bank. I got enough $1 bills so everybody in our church could have one. And I asked you to carry it for a week and then to bring it back so I could pay my mortgage and my utilities. They're coming up here in a few days. Here's the reason I did that. I wanted you to feel the tension of carrying someone else's money. Because when you carry someone else's money, it comes with a responsibility. And if you believe that everything belongs to God, that everything comes from God and belongs to God, if you believe that, then you're carrying God's money. Everything you have is God's. And it comes with a responsibility. Well, I have never seen $1 cause so much stress in people's lives. I've never seen people so uncomfortable to carry $1. I mean, people kept wanting to give it back to me early. Please take it. I don't want this. I don't want the responsibility of this. I had one of my buddies said, he goes, the envelope was sitting on the console of my car. And he said, I went to the construction site that, I, that he was helping to finance. And he said, I, I pulled away. I got down the road. And he goes, your envelope was gone. He goes, it must have blown out at the construction site. So he turned around, went back to the construction site. He goes, I got out. I'm looking all over for your envelope. He goes, I finally found it. It had been run over, you know, 10 times. You know, there was all these black marks on it. He goes, but I still got it, and I brought it back. You know, I've had people who have been talking to me going, are you going to be okay? Are you going to have enough? Is everything going to work out okay? And some people, you know, other people thought it was, it was a test, like the, tar- the, the parable of the talents. You remember the parable of the talents? You know, the one servant that Jesus called wicked and lazy, he was given one bag of gold, and he just brought one bag of gold back. And so they said, oh, is this a, is this a test? Because you gave us $1, so you want us to bring 10 back. And so they brought 10 back. Well, this was not, a te- this was not some trick to get you to bring in more. However... Your generosity blew me away. Your generosity blew me away. Some of you were worried that everyone wouldn't remember to bring their dollar back, so you put in extra. Others just wanted to bless me. So I've got a stack of envelopes with notes on it. I have a stack of birthday cards and notes that were written, uh, post-it notes. And so let me just tell you, Not only did you bring back all of the money that I entrusted you with, you returned an extra $11,559. I took back every dollar that I put in, and there was $11,559 extra. See, here's what's cool. Because when we're blessed, we get to bless. So here's what's so exciting. 
is that I'm helping to lead a men's Mexico home build in May. Guys, if you want to go with us, I'd love for you to go with us. We have 130 guys signed up right now. We have room to take 250. I would love for you to go. Well, that extra $11,500 is going to pay for two homes of two families in Mexico. I want, you just to, I want you just to envision this because today there are two homeless families in Mexico. And when you see how many of these families live, I mean, it's just a, a shack. Maybe they have some, some wood that's been put up in a tarp and they're living on dirt. Sometimes, you know, a family of, of six. There are two homeless families in Mexico right now. Then in a few months, they're going to have their first home because of your generosity. See, this is, this is what God does. I mean, how cool is that? If you haven't returned your dollar yet, we've got these here, and you can return your dollar, and every last dollar that's given in these boxes today will go help fund those houses in Mexico. See, Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. If money worries consume you, then it's going to be a barrier between you and God. Jesus says, I have a better way. I have a better way. There are some of you that you brought in a lot of worries in this life, a lot of burdens, a lot of heartache, a lot of brokenness, and it has been this barrier between you and God because you just feel like, God, can I not trust you with my life? See, here's, here's the story for a lot of us. There's some of you who have never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you can do that today. You can surrender your life to Jesus today. But there's a lot of us that Jesus has been our Savior for many years, but he's never been your Lord. He's never been the Lord of your life. He's never been the one who is leading your every decision. And so today, maybe that's just the commitment for you, saying, Jesus, you've been my Savior. Today, you're going to be my Lord. It's all yours. My life, it's all yours. And the worries that I have, they become this barrier between me and God. So God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. So I want to pray with you. And maybe it's just an opportunity for you to say, okay, God, Jesus is my Lord. Not just my Savior, He's my Lord. I'm submitting to the Lordship of Jesus in everything. God, we thank you for your promises to us. You're so good to us. God, I want to pray for those maybe who have, have not yet started a relationship with Jesus, that today would be the day that they would surrender their heart to Jesus, that you would forgive their sins. God, there's many of us here who Jesus has been our Savior, but maybe they would say there is one area of their life that he is not Lord. So we give that to you. We thank you for the power of the name of Jesus, the forgiveness that comes through him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.